Oh, the thing didn't work. There it is. I think I can talk over this. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Give That Fan a Podcast. We are joined today for our season wrap-up with everyone's favorite Orioles Barstool writer. You might be the only are you only, are the only full-time Orioles Barstool writer because I know Banks does more Ravens and golf stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's all Ravens and 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 uh, Ravens and golf, and I stick to Orioles and MLB and you know anything else that tickles my fancy. Yeah. My neighbors having their Christmas tree up on October fourth. <laughs> well, nevertheless, we're joined with RDT. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. The Orioles season wrapped up yesterday, and sorry, I'm sharing my trying to share this on Facebook. We're streaming to three different places today, so there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, we are now live on the Orioles 24-7 Facebook page. We're live on YouTube. Both of those places, anybody listening can comment along. We can pull your comments onto the show. Uh, if you're listening on Twitter, StreamYard hasn't figured out how to get tweet responses onto the show yet, but maybe we'll get there eventually. Uh, Orioles finished 83-79. and 79. That's a 31-game improvement from their 2020 record. What's the vibe going into the offseason, guys? How are we feeling? Eric, go ahead, man. I, I think people are just so excited. Like, like, usually by this time of the year, people have ditched the Orioles for weeks, if not months, just focusing on the Ravens, focusing on anything else. Um, this year, it's like it, it, people, like, didn't want to let go of yesterday. Like, they, they really were like, yeah, again, obviously, like you look at it, was it a success? I think so. Did they make the playoffs? No. But I don't think anyone really was like, this sucks. Like we didn't make the – everyone was just like – it was kind of like I, I kind of uh, like compared it to like a movie, like at the end of a really good movie and you're just sitting in the theater being like, that was awesome. Like that was really, really good. Like I, I want to see it again. Went into the post credit scene. Yeah, yeah. And it just – it leaves you with like that taste in your mouth being like, I want, I want more. Like, I just, I want to keep going. Like, let's just play 163. Why not? Like, you know, just bring the guys back out. Um, the, the vibe is very, I mean, it was, it was, people are excited. Like, and again, this is something that we haven't seen since 2016. You know, they won, they won that last game on the regular, or the, the last game of the regular season to make the playoffs. And we know what happened there. But it's, I mean, it's been years since people have been positive going into, the off season again, everyone is at this time is usually full on Ravens and which is fine. That's, that's just how it goes. But this year it seemed like people were like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait a little bit to really dive into the Ravens before, because again, this Orioles team was so, so much fun. I think it brought back a lot of the casual fans. Not everyone is built like us three where we can sit down and watch 150 plus games and be like, this is great. A lot of people, you know, tune out after 80, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I think the overall vibe was people are just excited. They're happy and they, they, they cannot wait for uh, the, the, uh, the winter meetings, for the hot stove, for opening day. Like it's, it's going to be a very, very fun off season, I think. Yeah. Paul, I, go, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I agree. I think that it's um, like you have it in the notes. And like Elias said, it's a, uh, it's lift off from here. And it's hard to not be excited about, you know, this team went out there and won 83 games when a lot of places picked them to, to lose over 100 again. And one of the, probably the, the biggest turnaround since the 1890s uh, for any team. So it's something to be super excited about and go see what they do in the offseason and see if they can't get over that hump to get back to the World Series. Nothing but good vibes here despite what happened uh, on Twitter last night. But nothing, nothing but good vibes here. So, so speaking of what happened on Twitter, uh, Paul, you were you were pretty frustrated with the game two lineup yesterday. It was uh, one of those quote unquote punt lineups. Last game of the season, second game of a doubleheader. There, I felt like there were two contingents of fans on Twitter yesterday. There was the group that was pissed off that it was a crappy lineup for the final game of the season when these guys are going to have several months to rest up, and there was the other group that's like, it's game one sixty two. What does it matter? What right. what was so? I know I know you were on the the former. What was your what was your reasoning behind being so frustrated with the bad lineup yesterday? It has nothing to do with being competitive. It has nothing to do with oh well, if you put out this lineup, it gives you a better chance to make the playoffs because obviously that's not going to happen anymore. My my, I was at I was at the doubleheader. I caught the last half of the first game and all of the second game, and the Orioles could have uh, posted the lineup that they posted. Um, they could have posted the lineup that they posted in the first game, in the second game, and lost twelve to nothing. And I would have been okay, 
because at least you gave the fans who maybe didn't get to catch the first game of the doubleheader but were able to make it to the second game, at least you gave them the opportunity to see their favorite players, to see Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson and Cedric Mullins and Brian Mountcastle go out there in the final game of the year because you're not going to see them again for four and a half to six months, right, depending on how much you pay attention to spring training. So my ire wasn't that it wasn't a competitive lineup. And I don't have an issue with playing every guy on the roster the last day of the year, if, especially if you have a doubleheader. But why can't you mix and match and make sure that you have the two faces of your franchise in Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman in that lineup in 162? I mean, those tickets cost three bucks for an extended period last week. Maybe that's all family can afford, and they're taking their kids out, and it's the only game that they can get them out to this year, and they want to see Gunnar, and they want to see Adley, and they get there and instead – they get Chirinos and Aguilar and Tyler Nevin. Like, I just didn't think it was fair to the fans that they show up for that game and they have to watch all the backups that nobody's paying money to go see those guys. No offense to those guys. Nobody's paying money to go see them. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it definitely would have been nice to go out with uh, on a little bit of a higher note. Uh, but, you know, what can you do? Uh, so, Paul, you mentioned I have in my notes lift off from here. That's a quote from Mike Elias from a couple months ago. Uh, the Orioles are ready to bust into the free agent market, maybe pull off a couple big trades. Uh, they, it, it feels like the window is finally open. And with that in mind, I'll start with you, Eric. Is anything less than a playoff appearance in 2023? Would that be a disappointment for you? Um, that's tough. Um, a lot of that also depends on what some of the other teams do. Like, mm-hmm. like again, who – the Mariners may go out and add a, you know, a couple more guys. They've already signed some guys long-term. Like, obviously, the Yankees are going to make moves. It, it, I, to me, it all kind of just depends on, on what the other teams do. Because, again, if these other teams load up and the Blue Jays are still really good, the Mariners are still really good, the Rays are still really good, and then, you know, again, all the division winners, it's like, well, who are they going to leapfrog over there to, to, to get a playoff spot? Um, I think those are the expectations, though, for next year is playoffs. I, I think, again, I think we've accelerated the timeline, and we're now, like, we're skipping the appetizer. We, we, we sat down, we're saying, screw the fried pickles, just uh, give me the ribs. That's, I'm going right in. Like, that's what you want. You're just going right for the, ap- or right for the main course. Um, so, again, I mean, it, it, they're going to have expectations, and I think, it, yeah, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, I think people are definitely going to be upset. Um, obviously a lot depends on injuries and, and what the Orioles do, but you know, I mean, they go out and they sign a couple big guys. Then it's like, yeah, this team, this is a team that better make the playoffs. Um, and you know, they better make it this year. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do and how they approach that. And again, the, the expectations are going to change day to day during the, you know, during the winter meetings and, and every day that passes in the off season with, you know, if a Chris Bassett signs with Tampa or he signs somewhere, you know, there's someone like that who, is someone that should be on the Orioles' radar. It's going to be like, oh, okay, well, that's a guy that they should have got. Maybe he could have led them to the playoffs. So I, I, I think it'll. I think people definitely will be disappointed if they don't end up playing in October next year. Yeah, I, I think I'll be disappointed personally just because I'm I'm aching so badly for another playoff game at Camden Yards. But uh, Paul, where are you staying on that? Well, I mean, if you have a winning year and then the next year you don't make the playoffs, uh, that's going to be a disappointment no matter what the Orioles do this offseason. If they stand pat with the roster, which I, I don't think they're going to do, but if they stand pat with the roster they have and they go out there next year and don't make the playoffs, it's still going to be a disappointment. Now, it's like it's like Eric said, if they go out there and they make all the right moves and they end up winning 90 games next year, but then six teams win 91 or more, what can you do about that? You, you, it's like, all right, well, they made the right moves. They got significantly better. They were a competitive team all year, and they just fell a little bit short because those other teams are still really freaking good. You yeah. know, I, I don't know that anybody should be expecting the Orioles to suddenly catch the Yankees and the Blue Jays next year because they're going to get better. Um, maybe the Rays because I think that they're kind of on the downward trend. But you, you never know. Uh, but for me, it's go out there next year. Put your best foot forward in, in this offseason. Add the players that you need, and then let, let, let the chips fall where they may. And if you're on the outside looking in, you go back and you readjust, and you, you say, what could we have done better to get over the hump and try again the year after? But I think expectations should and will be get to the playoffs and see what you can do once you're in there. Now, Paul, you mentioned we don't expect the Orioles to stand pat. Uh, I, I had this later on in my notes, but I, I want to bring it up now just because it's a fun, maybe not so fun, hypothetical 
let's let's say for example this this upcoming offseason the Orioles don't sign any high profile free agents they don't make any major splashes let's anticipate maybe another Jordan Lyles Rugnetto door type of offseason but they give both Adley and Gunner long contract extensions seven eight nine ten year contract extensions are you satisfied with the offseason at that point or do you think they need to go out and make some type of splash on the market you asking me first or eric whoever wants to take it i'll I'll, I'll, I'll go first here yeah um i don't know man that's like kissing your sister right (laughs) that's like the third time you said that on this show uh, well, it, I don't remember ever saying it, but um, to me, oh, you know, I think I'm thinking of bite off your nose to spite your face or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but no, it, it's it's like kissing your sister because yeah, you want you want Gunner and you want Adley extended, and those guys are going to have a full year of them next year, uh, Lord willing, and they're going to be really good, right? So that that's that's exciting. But if they don't add to the pitching staff and they don't add that one bat to the middle of the order to to elongate that entire lineup and make everybody else around them better. They're probably not making the playoffs next year. So, like I said, like you're going to be excited about that. But if they don't add somebody else to either the rotation or the lineup or both, I don't know how you can feel satisfied moving into next season. Yeah, it'll be difficult because, again, because of Elias's quotes where he's like, we're going to go out and spend money. And he didn't say where. He didn't say how. He didn't say if it was going to be extensions or, you know, free agency, stuff like that. Um but, I mean, I, I, I think I would still be disappointed. Not like Michael Bluth, like or George Michael, like slumping my head, walking around like, <laughs> oh, this offseason sucked. It would just been like, oh, that's awesome. Kind of would have been nice to, to you know, add, add a, uh, you know, a, a veteran pitcher, you know, again, a backup catcher, a middle-of-the-order middle bat that, that we know that this team desperately needs. So I wouldn't be kicking, you know, I wouldn't be like the worst offseason ever. Um, but I wouldn't be, you know, getting ready to hang a, hang a banner or anything either. Right. Uh, now I want to backtrack just a tiny bit cause I, I don't want to get too deep into this and forget, uh, Eric, we've, we've been pretty vocal on the show, Paul, especially about our disdain for Brandon Hyde and a lot of the decisions that he's made this year seem to have hurt the Orioles more than he's helped. And Paul has been on that train for a while. Derek, who runs the, who runs Utah Street Report, the site we're on. He's been on that, I think, since last year, uh, and that hasn't changed despite the Orioles' record this season. And I'm starting to get on board. I, he, he did a lot of things down the stretch that, that really kind of bothered me, rubbed me the wrong way. I don't necessarily know if I think he shouldn't be back next year or that he's not the guy moving forward, but I think there are some question marks. You seem to be more of an advocate for Brandon Hyde. What are your thoughts on him going forward? Yeah, I, I I like him. I I really like him. Obviously, I I think every manager makes boneheaded, you know, moves. I mean, look, Kevin Cash basically lost the World Series because he was overthinking stuff like that. Every manager does it. Obviously, some do it more than others. Uh, uh, you know, the moves in Baltimore aren't aren't looked under a, a microscope as much as they are in L.A. or or you know Boston or New York or anything like that. I like him. I think. <clears throat> sorry. I think the team really likes him and I think they respond well to him. Like, and I think that, I mean, you look around the league, like Joe Madden, the, the team, it seemed like the angels hated him at the end when they fired him. Like, I think a lot of it goes into you, you guys have to like their manager. And, and again, obviously we know in a workplace, not everyone is going to like their manager, but things seem to go a lot better when they do. Um, this is a team that easily could have quit on him, could have tuned him out last year, two years ago, just been like, whatever. Like, again, dude, we know you're a placeholder. You're not going to be here when when, I, when we're going to be here. You know, it, we don't have to listen to you. And it, it seemed like that didn't happen. Um, and it, I don't think a lot of people on Twitter, I don't think that's a lot of like, you know, you guys, I don't think that's a lot of your gripes being like, he doesn't seem like he gets along with them or whatever. Because again, I think it, I think it breaks down to they really like him and, and he seems to be able to motivate them to, to get every, I, I think he gets a lot out of some of the guys, you know, most of the guys. Um, are some of his moves weird going to Baker and, you know, and this was a couple of weeks back. I can't, I was, I think it was a blue Jays game. I think, you know, where they were tied or something like that. And he goes to Baker and I think they ended up losing. Um, some of the moves are like, yeah, what are you doing, dude? Like, I don't understand this. Th- those don't seem to bother me as much just because again, it's a long season. Sometimes the moves you make are the ones you got to do. And like, 
you you, ha- you just have to do it. I know people didn't like them taking out Bradish in that that Astros game in Camden Yards a couple of weeks ago when he went eight and two thirds, and it's like that's if he leaves them in and then and then Bradish gives up a home run to I think it was I think that Jordan was in the on deck circle. It's like well yeah. then we're gonna shit on him, crap on him for leaving you know, into leaving leaving in you know Bradish. Why would they do that? I I don't know. I think it's a double edged sword. Um, and and like my question is the like if and there's a billion different answers. Obviously, Buck Britton is a big one. But if they fire, which I don't think they will, I think they would be crazy to fire. And we've seen that before where a guy, you know, I mean, David Johnson, you know, half of Orioles Twitter wasn't around for David Johnson. I don't know what they would have said during that, you know, when they fired him after he won coach of the year. And that there's a whole bunch of other stuff that went into that firing, which I don't think Brandon Hyde is not donating to Angelos's wife's charity or whatever it was, <laughs> um, which is a crazy story in itself. That's just not talked about enough. Um but you know, it's just like it, who, who's out there. I, and again, there are there are plenty of names out there. Buck Britton is the big one that that we've been kind of keying in on for a while. Um, I, I I don't like the like oh we have to get rid of him just because he made a couple mistakes and he you know he he made this bad call or that call or he used punt lineups on Sunday. That to me that just that's like I don't it doesn't do it enough for me to like really be like you know what I'm off hide now. Again, a couple moves maybe cost the Orioles some games, but it's like every man, I think every manager makes those calls. I think every manager has those screw ups, those mental lapses. Um, again, some more than others. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm big on Hyde. I, I like him. He seems like a great guy. And I think he's, is he the guy to lead them to a world series? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I, 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 and I just don't, I don't have an answer. I won't come up with an answer in the next couple of minutes, but again, I like him. Um, I understand why some people don't, but Again, I'm I'm staking I'm putting my flag down on the the hide side. Paul, should we move on, or do you have a response as the uh, the leader of the pack here? I I, I feel like um, my gripe with Brandon Hyde might be a little bit misunderstood. Um, I don't necessarily, and I, I may have said it in the past, um, but I don't. I, I know he's not getting fired this off season. I know that he's going to be here next year. I also know that he can only work with the talent that is put on the roster, right? So if the only guys you have on your roster are Ryan McKenna and Robinson Chirinos and Jesus Aguilar, those are guys that are going to have to play. My dog is probably going to start barking here any second because mm-hmm. he can't get up on the couch. But um, <laughs> So I apologize in advance. Um, but those are the guys that are on this roster. Joey Crable is a guy that's in his bullpen. He, ha- he has to use these guys, and I, and I totally get that. My, my gripe is I felt like he managed the team down the stretch like it was still April or May rather than August and September in a pennant race. I felt like he didn't trust his starters enough, and I felt like, you know, Adley's not going to catch every game. I think not catching 38 games out of 121 is a little ridiculous. I feel like he should have been allowed to catch more than that, but I also know that he's coming off the triceps injury, so that might be something that they're thinking about. Right. Um, but I just would have liked to have seen better decision making and I'm willing to give him the opportunity next year and not to, like I'm anybody to not give him the opportunity, but I'm, I'm willing to see what he can do next year with a more talented roster, a better bench and really see if the front office is having an, in, an input on the lineups that he's putting out every day. Cause I don't really believe that they had too much of an input on the lineups he put out this year because they, I still think that they were planning for next year and beyond. And I think that we'll see more of their input next year on the roster. So I'm willing to give him another chance and see what he's going to do. But if this, what I saw his first year managing in a playoff race, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. But I do like the fact that he keeps that clubhouse together, that they want to play hard for him, and that he keeps him as a cohesive unit. So he has that going for him. And maybe, you know, next year with the experience, he can improve to the point where I'm not hating on him at the end of the season. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly like to see what he can do with, you know, a deeper bench where, you know, you mentioned having to play Chirinos and Aguilar and these guys it's, you, you have to at some point, but when those guys, when those options are so bad, it's, it's hard to justify putting out a lineup like that uh, every once in a while. But uh, I, I do want to move on a little bit here to some, uh, some brighter things. We lost Paul. I think the dog might have started barking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to start this one off because this is actually a game that I watched with you, Eric. Um, I want to ask you guys your favorite games from the 2022 season. There are some threads going around, a few people talking about it. Um, I know Kevin Brown and Paul Mancano were asking fans, you know, 
what are some moments that stand out to you? The one that the game that stands out to me was May twentieth against the Rays. And Eric, I ran into you pregame, and I, I don't remember if your I guess your tickets were in left field, but so uh, I had I was sitting. I got I bought tickets. The guys that I couldn't go, the guys that I was going to go with couldn't go. Then I ended up getting a sweet seat with the Jimmy's people. So I was like, That's I right. have, I have these tickets. So I was like, let me, let me give them to you, you know, give them to you. And then I was like, I'm going to make my way down eventually, which I did. So. Yeah. So me and my buddy, Nick were there. We sat the back row of 86, 84, one of those sections out in left field. And uh, you joined us later in the game. Uh, it was hot as hell. We, uh, it was, it was the week where Adley was supposed to come up. We all kind of knew, you know, it, it's, it's probably going to happen soon. First, we thought it was going to be that Monday game. Then we thought it was going to be Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Sure enough, it's Friday night. It still hasn't happened. Uh, but we had a fun game to watch. So it was a good old fashioned pitcher's duel. The Rays broke a scoreless tie in the fifth inning with the Mike Zanino three run homer off of Tyler Wells. The Orioles were struggling to hit Ryan Yarbrough. Surprise, surprise. Every soft throwing lefty, the Orioles can't seem to figure out which is incredibly annoying but that's a whole different conversation bottom of the seventh this this game really did have it all bottom of the seventh robinson chirinos it's a three to one game at this point chirinos hits a routine fly ball down the left field line randy rosarena gets there easily it hits off his glove a run scores chirinos is on second base we're all laughing to rosarena this guy's supposed to be an orioles killer he just gave us a free run and then two batters later trey mancini ties it with an rbi single so it's three to three we go into the tenth the Rays scored two off of Brian Baker in the top of the 10th. The Orioles tie it in the bottom half on a Santander two-run single. And at that point, they have the winning run on third base with still nobody out, and they don't score. So we're frustrated going on to the 11th. The Rays score one in the top of the 11th. The Orioles get two quick outs with the runner, the, the free runner still on second base, nothing going on. And then I think Mullins was intentionally walked, and then Austin Hayes hit an RBI single. So we tie it up again in the bottom of the 11th. And then... After he sat in the bullpen for almost a week after getting called up, Nick Vespi comes in for his major league debut. Big spot, divisional game, tie game and extra innings. And he came in and he freaking shoved. He struck out a guy in the top of the 12th, three up, three down. Orioles went quietly in the bottom half. Vespi comes back out for the 13th. He strikes out the first two guys, intentionally walks to Rosarena, and then Kiermaier hits a single into left field. Hayes just misses throwing the guy out at the plate. Rays take the lead, but Brandon Hyde challenges it. The call is overturned. Austin Hayes gets the outfield assist. And then in the bottom of the 13th, I, I feel weird because I don't like this guy calling it my favorite game, but Rubnet Odor, walk-off bomb in the bottom of the 13th. And then 12 hours later, Adley Rutschman is in order. That's the game that, or I guess the sequence that really stands out to me as, as you know, oh, this might be a, a really fun season. Now, uh, I, I wanted to ask you guys if you had a specific game that stood out. There are a lot of candidates, I think, but uh, what was what was the big one for you guys? Whoever whoever has one in their head can start. I mean, I, I've got a few. Like obviously, like that game, that game was was awesome because again, just being there and like watching the whole thing, and again, as it all developed, was great. Um, trying to think what else. Obviously, Trey's walk off um, against the Angels which just came in that week where it was like, they're just walking off everyone. What did they have two against the Rangers? Cedric had one. Mateo got hit by the pitch on I think 4th of July or July yeah, 5th. July. One of, yeah, yeah, one of those. Um, and then again, Cedric walked him off in that crazy game, the back and forth game where Bautista gave up the home run, I think in the top of the ninth. Um, so that, that was a, that, that again was kind of in the middle of like, what the hell is going on? Like this team is just, is playing out of its mind. Um, again, the Trey uh, walk off, which again we we only saw. I think he had the one against the Pirates, and I think that may be a second career one. Um, his only other walk off. Um, that was a great one. The White Sox game that I was sitting at, uh, St- Stowers in the bottom of the ninth. You know, two strikes against Liam Hendricks. Yeah. Where I'm sitting, me and my buddy were sitting there, section forty two or whatever. So we're like down low. And I just over and over, I'm just like, this is. A, I can't believe they lost the series. I can't believe this is. You know, they lost this game. This is. These are the games you got to win. Like maybe they're not as good as we think they are. And then, you know, because again, that's the game where I forget who the, the White Sox brought in their defensive replacement in left field and just drops the most routine of fly balls, being yeah. like, oh, it was, the, angle, I think it was. Like, same thing with Randy. We're like, oh, what an idiot! Like, 
Uh, and then we're like, all right, well, it's still, you know, I think it's 0-2. Like, Stauber's going to strike out. We're going to go home. And I was just like, this is, a, this is a game they can't lose. This is a series they can't lose. Next thing you know, Bautista goes, you know, he hits a home run. Bautista, I think, goes two clean innings and extras with the guy on second. Just unreal, unreal game um, before uh, Santander hit the walk-off, uh, I guess, single, you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was up there as one of my favorite ones. Um, I was at the Bradish game, the the Trey's Trey's game back. Um, where that was, I think it was two nothing or one not. It was, I think it was two nothing. Two um, nothing. Yeah, yeah eight, eight and two thirds. Yeah, eight and two thirds. Odor yeah. had, I think, a two run single. You know, in like the third inning or second inning, and that was that yeah. was the offense for the game. Um, so the, uh, those games are always fun because he brought, I think, a perfect game into the fifth. And I'm getting DMs like, "Hey, something's happening," and I'm like, "Oh." All right, all right. Don't say anything. Like we'll we'll keep that to ourselves. Um, but yeah, Getting DMs on your iPad since you're banned from Twitter yeah, on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Um, those are kind of the ones that pop out, like that jump out of me. Obviously, the the Friday night um, Apple TV down big against the Red Sox, and they came back. Then they had the 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 other the, the men's slowly slow pitch softball game, but they went fifteen to ten or sixteen to ten against the Red Sox yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Like, that was a fun one, too. So there, there's a couple of them. I don't think I can land specifically on one. The Mo Gabba game, you know, Trey's hitting a, Trey hitting a home run off a dude's cheekbone. Like, that will never not make me laugh. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to ask favorite, like, individual moments, too. I think I think that's up there for me as well. Yeah, I think um, the 12-8 to 8 win over the Red Sox, and they were down 6 nothing in, like, the fourth or fifth inning. That was mm-hmm. that was a really fun one. The Stowers um, – the drop fly ball, and then he hits the, the game-tying home run. And I had the same feeling. Like you really just lost two or three to the White Sox. And they get they get that. This is Bruce, by the way. Hi, Bruce. Um, Welcome to the show. Uh, they get that that tying, that tying game-tying home run, and they win in an extra innings. Um, even though they didn't win a game, I was at a game against Tampa Bay where they were down four to three in the ninth inning with two outs, and Jorge Mateo hits a game-tying opposite field home run. And I was, like, I lost my mind. Like, how does, like, that was when they were, like, playing some of their best baseball, and it was like, holy crap, this team's really actually really good. And it was just another another one of those moments. Um, I loved the starters three games in a row. They, they get 80 out of an 81 possible outs. By the way, I thought that Brandon Hyde made the right move, taking Bradish out with two outs in the, in the ninth inning. As soon as you got a base runner on, you get in the heart of the order, you got to make that move, I think. Um those three games were just awesome, and they, they needed them cause it, in a big way because the starters have been struggling uh, for a while up to that point. The bullpen was taxed, so I thought that was awesome. A um, lot, of, lot of great moments. Uh, some Odor walk-offs. Like, you, you're not going to hate on a guy that, that – I, I hate on him enough, but, I mean, he had he had some big moments that, that led to some big wins for the Orioles. So yeah. the whole season, can I cop out and say the whole season? Was sure. Just, Why not? Just an awesome moment, but – you know, some of those ones that stood out more than others, for sure. Yeah. All right, Eric, we got you for, I think, about 10, 15 more minutes. Uh, there, there is a comment, Chris. I'm going to get to you in a second. Uh, I want to talk about some some individual performances from this year. Or maybe, maybe not performances, but, like, you know, guys, whatever. Well, you'll, you'll understand in a second. Uh, I was going to start with the bullpen, but I'm going to start with the bats because that's where the, uh, the comment plays in. So, obviously, we've got Adley locked in a catcher going forward. Mountcastle's locked in. He's going to be our first baseman. Gunner is likely going to be a third unless Mateo gets moved. Uh, but I don't anticipate that happening. We'll get to that in a second. Tyler Nevin, I think, is as good as gone at this point. Odor, I think, is highly unlikely to return. Um, Taron Vavra, is he a utility guy or an everyday player for you guys? And if he's an everyday player, do you throw him at second base or do you stick him in the outfield? And if you stick him in the outfield, there's a lot that goes into this. If you stick him in the outfield... Does that mean that Ryan McKenna's gone or that Austin Hayes is now a fourth outfielder or Hayes is gone completely? How, how do we feel about Taron Vavra's role? I think, he's got, I think he's got to be a utility guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have that guy coming off the bench. He can play the outfield. He can play the infield. I think that, that, that that's a guy who has util, super utility written all over him. And it, it, it's one of those things where if Brandon Hyde plays him on a Sunday, you're not looking at him saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Because – he can play. He, can, he takes good at bats. He gets on base. You saw that throw that he made in game two yesterday where he almost turned that double play on a monster throw from left field. I think he's a utility guy, especially when you figure that they're probably going to do something in, in free agency. There's a lot of middle infielders that are free agents, and Westberg and Norby were just ridiculously good 
down the stretch and for the whole season for that matter. Uh, and they could be playing second base next year. So uh, Bobber's utility for me. Bobber screams like uh, he's, I think he's a better Stevie Lombardozzi. Like again, a guy who you could just put anywhere. Like I think he's a good hitter. Like I wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, obviously not much power, but yeah, he's a guy that you can plug in pretty much anywhere except for first or third. Um, and then anywhere in the outfield, I think, and be like, okay, well, he can get it done for today. Um, yeah, I, I, to me, I think he's a he's a utility guy. Again, if, if someone gets hurt, if a middle infielder gets hurt, you know, second baseman, it's like, all right, I think you feel fine with him being there for an extended period of time. Um, I don't think it's your ideal, you know, he's not going to be your opening day second baseman, I think ideally, but I, I would be fine with him as a as a utility guy. I think he's he can be like a Ryan Flaherty type guy where if you need him to do, you know, whatever, he'll he'll do it, so. Yeah, came through with a big three-run homer yesterday. First big oh, league homer. Oh, that was one of one of my favorite moments. And I told, I was there yesterday, saw the three-run homer, the first home run, first win for Hall, and first save for Baker. And I totally forgot to mention it. That was a big moment yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty sick. Now, uh, speaking of infielders in middle infield, we've got two guys in Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias, who are I don't necessarily want to call them question marks. I think Arias more so. But um, this is the, the comment I wanted to bring up. Thoughts on Mateo moving forward. Is he a trade piece if we sign a big-name shortstop, if they can work with him and get his average up to 260 and OBP to at least 300? He's going to be so valuable. First base to second base will be five inches closer next year. He may still 50 bags if he's an everyday player. How are we feeling about Jorge Mateo? Has he done enough this season to earn the starting shortstop role back for next year? I think a hundred percent. Like I, I think he's, again, he, he may win a gold glove. I think, you know, he should win a gold glove. Um, it's basically a double anytime he gets on, on first. And that's the big issue is like, can he get, I always said like, if he, if he could turn into like a two forty hitter and then, you know, get his, his on base percentage, like Chris said up to, what did he say? Like 300. 300 yeah. it, I, I mean, he would be, he would be unbelievable. Again, we, we see what he can do with the glove. We see what he can do, you know, on the base paths. And he showed power this year that, that stretch, um, you know, I think it was in July and August, like he, uh, he really showed some power and he'll hit, I mean, if he hits the gaps, he's standing up on third without, with barely breaking a sweat. Um, I, I think he has to be your, your shortstop. And, and it's a good problem to have where, cause again, at the beginning of the season, I was like, ah, oh, he may be a guy that you can yield DFA or whatever. If someone, if someone, you know, you, you make a trade or you, you bring someone up, but now it's like, we, we have to play him. You, you have to, like you said, I mean, you give him a day off every now and then, but to me, he has to be your opening day shortstop. And it's no offense because, again, we saw what Westberg did. You know, he's awesome. He's going he's gonna to be great. But it's like right now, I think it's, it's got to be Jorge's job. So Urias is another guy who I'm like, I, I, I think if they moved him, I'd be fine with it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to cry over it. I, I think he's a good player, but I, he's a little too streaky for me. And obviously, I mean, Mateo is the same thing. But Mateo is just that, that like outlier of, of his speed. So I, I, I think if Ramon goes, thanks for everything. Tip of the cap. I'll give you a standing ovation when you come back, but I won't, I'm not crying or anything. Yeah. A couple, a couple comments on that real quick, Paul. Um, Arias, we talked about a couple shows ago, his defensive metrics were unbelievable this season. I think he's got a legitimate shot at at least being a gold glove finalist this year, if not taking home, I'm not sure he has the name recognition to actually bring home the award, but he was nasty at third base this year. Uh, the other note, Jorge Mateo, bad too. Like, do you remember? Like, yeah. he couldn't he couldn't make the throws to th- from third early in the season, and it's like, I don't know if he just needed to get wor- you know his body a workup or something. But it was like something clicked, and he was just his throws were online. It was like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe remember, maybe that's a lockout. I remember being at opening day, um, and I was sitting down the left field line, so I'm like right behind Arias, and I watched him bounce two throws mm-hmm. in infield warmups while the pitcher was warming up. I'm like, oh my god, he can't throw. Yeah, he can't. He, can't, he doesn't have the arm, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everything's just a dart. Yeah, like it's space. something. Something clicked, or something. He, he he was hiding an injury or something. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it, I was following that all year. When Kelvin Gutierrez got sent down, he left his arm for Arias mm-hmm. at third. Uh, the other note I wanted to bring up: Jorge Mateo ended the season. Eric, you talk about his power. Same number of home runs as Rubenador. So for the the guy who is not supposed to hit for power, had as many homers as the guy who is supposed to be a clutch power hitter, which is, is a little little strange to me. But, um, you know, I don't know if that says more about Mateo or Adore. It's just something that I, I, I found pretty funny. 
Um, I do want to comment on Mateo, if I may. Yeah, um, if there's nobody else, I think he should be your opening day shortstop. Um, jo- Joey Ortiz, his glove has been major league ready for two years now. Um, we were talking when I used to do Glenn Clark radio, we were talking with Keith Ball and he said that he thought that Joey Ortiz would be the Orioles starting shortstop by the all-star break. Um, and then he came back once he was a year removed from his injury. And I was talking to uh, press boxes editor Luke Jackson about this yesterday. Once he was a year removed from his injury starting in July, they couldn't get him out at double a or triple a. Um, I think his glove plays. If they go on, they get a Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Jorge Mateo is not starting a shortstop next year for me. And then this is another point that Luke Jackson brought up yesterday. He might be a, a, a good player for like the Cleveland Guardians, right? Where like you can put him at shortstop and you can bat him ninth and help and he'll help you go win your division. Playing shortstop in the American League in the American League East is a different animal. And if your shortstop's bat ninth and he's hitting two twenty with a two seventy five on base percentage, that's not really going to play. I think he's got super utility written all over him as well. And I don't know that. He may not want to t- take that demotion with the Orioles, but I think that that's where he helps the team the most because he can be a defensive replacement in the infield or the outfield. He can be a pinch runner. I think that he's a better version of uh, Jared Dyson or Gerard Dyson, however you pronounce his name. But that's uh, to me, he screams like a super utility guy who is a key contributor on a winning team, but I don't think he should be the guy moving forward unless there's nobody else at the moment to play to be the everyday shortstop. All right, Eric, I know you got to go here in a minute. Uh, I do want to ask you one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were texting the other day about D.L. Hall. He's looked nasty out of the bullpen. He had a 593 ERA this year, but a 165 fielding independent pitching. Uh, so the, the metrics love D.L. Hall. We, we talked about how he's it's it's too early to give up on him as a starter. I'm curious because there's, there's a lot of guys who have earned at least a legitimate look at the rotation next year. Is Mike Bauman one of them for you, or am I just kind of – is it wishful thinking that he might be next year's Kramer or Bradish? Uh, Bauman doesn't do much for me. He, he does not really move the needle for me. Um, and I've talked to a couple guys who played with him and all that, and they, and they kind of said same thing with Dean and Bradish, like just, just give him more time to like find himself and his pitches and stuff like that, and he can be exactly what – Dean, you know what Dean and Kyle were this year. Um, so I'm not, I'm not like you got to get this guy out of here. Um, again, it kind, of, I think it kind of depends on who they bring back in the off season, who they add in the off season. But like, I don't anticipate seeing Bauman like your number four starter go next year. You know, go on opening weekend or whatever. Um, right. I, I'm not going to be throwing stuff if he is, but I just don't. I, again, I don't. He's and again, th- I this time last year, I was ready to. I was packing Dean Kramer's bags for him. I was like, I will drive you to the airport. I have no problem. Um, kind of the same thing with 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 um, Bauman. I, I again, his stuff. I, I think his stuff at times is really good. Obviously, he he rebounded yesterday. Um, after giving up, what did he give up? The give up a home run? Yeah, two run home run, three run. I think it was a three run shot. Gabriel Moreno in the sixth. Yeah, yeah, and that's when I was kind of just like, ah, that, that sucks. Because again, I think you would have liked to see him get out of that inning and like finish his season, you know, clean and and just just end it like that. Um, I, I, I'm I'm torn on him again. I don't. I'm not like fully backing him. Um, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm more on the side of like mm, CFA something like that. Let him go. Um, again, if you got to bring someone else up, you know, give him that spot on the forty man. So I, I'm not. I'm not attached to him at all, really. But again, I. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm eating my words like I did with Kramer, you know, this man. time next year. All right, man. Well, uh, we're going to let you go. Before you do, uh, I, you probably don't need it from our little podcast, but go ahead and plug whatever you're, you're doing at the moment. No, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Exit 52 podcast. We did some Orioles superlatives <laughs> last night. Um, we're on Twitter and, and all your other social medias. Um, and then just, yeah, on, on Twitter, E-D-I-T-T-I 22 and – blog in a bar stool and got my blog up on, you know, how Adley has one of the most, and it's not a surprise to you guys, but one of the most impressive rookie catching years that we've ever seen. I saw that, that list of the top five, you know, cat, rookie catchers in war. He's up there with a couple of hall of famers, Thurman Munson, Carlton Fisk, and, you know, Mike Piazza. So some decent names, um, but yeah, just plugging away, plugging away in the old Twitter machine, just trying to make people laugh and have a good time. And that's, I think a, I think throughout the whole season, I think a lot of people had fun on Twitter, which yeah. is ultimately the goal of it. And it's like, 
no matter what you say, like the Orioles community grew by a lot this year. Some good, some bad. Um, we had, you know, I, I think there are a, a lot of new people, but you know, it's a nice little niche group. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what the hell it looks like when they're good, you know, next year. So it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, man. It's going to be fun. Do you have, do you have a, an appearance on the dozen coming up or is that kind of um, in advance? I, I, I don't know when our first game is. I, I can't, say the live show we're playing in but there's something something coming up but then i don't know when our first our first regular season matches but look for us to be in a uh in a uh a, a live match soon also shout out jj hardy was one of the answers last night i don't know if you want yeah frank guest jj reddick as the, <laughs> the twins and orioles shortstop that hit over 25 home runs and made three all-star teams so oh man i'll have to go back and find that clip yeah it's pretty funny it's good all right, man. Thanks for spending your lunch break with us. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. See you, man. Take it easy. Talk to See you. All right. Uh, there's a lot more I wanted to get to, but uh, there's only so much time we have during a lunch break, unfortunately. But we can talk a little bit about uh, – how about the pitching? This yeah, year well, was a significant improvement. Go ahead. What were you I, I do want to comment on Mike Ballman. If yeah, I please. I, I think that – I think what the Orioles are going to do, and they have a lot of these guys, right? Um, you – this is the first uh, spring training that they're going to go into where they're going to have so many options for the rotation. And uh, I talk with Stan, the fan, Charles, about this all the time. You really need 10 to 15 starting pitching options, like legitimate starting pitching options to get through a season, right, and, and to be competitive through a season. And we, you can name five guys off the top of your head that if the Orioles don't make any moves, they're going to be your, your, your starting five in your rotation next year. Um, and that would be Bradish, Wells, Kramer, probably Jordan Lyles, because I think they will pick up his option, and Grayson Rodriguez. And that's before you talk about Austin Both, and you're getting John Means back, Mike Ballman, uh, Bruce Zimmerman. They're, they're going to stretch out, I think, Hall and Wells and Ballman so that they can start if they need them to. But I think ultimately two, if not all three of those guys are going to end up in the bullpen. I, I, I want to see D.L. Hall get a crack at the rotation because he was he was really good down the stretch. Yeah. He was really good. I, his ERA was, was right around one. Um, his last several, his, his last, I think, eight or nine games. Really yeah. good. And the walks were down too. So I, I want to see him get an opportunity at the rotation. But Bowman, I'm not going to go as far as say DFA like Eric did. I think that the Orioles are going to stretch him out, and I think that he's going to be part of the opening day roster as a member of their bullpen. Um, and, and he may end up being a late inning guy, um, who like a late, a big leverage uh, situation type of guy. But um, I think that he's a big part of the Orioles team next season. Now, uh, you mentioned Tyler Wells. He's, you know, battled injuries this year, missed a good amount of time, wasn't great down the stretch, was looked really good at the beginning of the season. Last year he was in the bullpen and he was good enough to earn the closer role near the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Is Tyler Wells a guy who, you know, we've, we've talked about how one of the Orioles' biggest needs this offseason is a couple bullpen arms they can really trust. If they decide that they're done with the Tyler Wells as a starter experiment, are you happy with him being a key piece of the bullpen next season as a one or two winning guy? Maybe like a Keegan Aiken kind of role? I think I'd prefer him in that role. But I think the Orioles have every intention of keeping him in the rotation until he gives them a reason not to. Um, I think there, so, too. There, there was a nice long stretch where he was the best starter that they had. And I think yeah. that next year they've already said that he's not going to have any restrictions. He's going to be a full go from the beginning of spring training. I, now, look, he's had injury issues his entire career, right? And that's, that's why the Orioles were able to get him as a Rule 5 pick. He had, he had, he's had serious injury, injury, injury issues. But I think he's going to get every crack at starting – to begin the year next year. And then if somebody outdoes him or outperforms him, that's a really nice piece to have in your, in your arm, in, in your bullpen. So he'll be on the team. I think as a starter to begin, and maybe he moves that bullpen later on, but he'll start in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, now a couple guys who may or may not be contenders for the starting rotation next year, Spencer Watkins and Bruce Zimmerman. Zimmerman was supposed to be the guy who stepped in once John means went down at the beginning of the season. And he was not good. He was so bad, in fact, that he was sent to AAA where he ended up spending most of the season. Spencer Watkins has been an up-and-down guy. His numbers were decent this year, but his peripheral stats, not so much. 
are either of those two legitimate names for you that you would want to consider for the rotation next year? Or are, are those two guys kind of as good as gone at this point? Um, I don't know if they're as good as gone. They're both on the 40 man. Now, yeah. if, if, if Watkins is DFA again, he can become a free agent. Um, they, neither one of them are going to be in the Orioles starting rotation next year, unless there's a bunch of injuries. Yeah. Um, at least not to start the year. Spencer Watkins, even if he becomes a free agent, I can see them signing him to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. Bruce Zimmerman, I think because they don't have to have him on the opening day roster, I think they could use him as depth. Good. When he went down to Norfolk, he was good. He wasn't great. Yeah. And to me, those are those are nice depth pieces to have in your minor league system because you've got to fill out rotations in, in AAA also. But they're not guys that I think have a shot at the opening day roster next year, barring something catastrophic. Speaking of uh, of pitching, I want to give a shout out to my uh, my pick in our minor league draft from a few weeks ago. Ryan Watson named the Orioles minor league pitcher of the year, nice. the Jim Palmer Award. So congrats to him. Uh, made it up to AAA Norfolk this year. I think he has a shot at you know at at the very least being one of those rotation arms in AAA, but maybe even coming up to the bigs at some point, helping out at the bullpen, maybe a swing man kind of guy. Uh, but lots of like there. Austin Voth, Paul, had a 10-plus ERA with the Nationals. I think it was 10-13. He came to Baltimore, pitched 83 innings with a 3.04 ERA. I'm not sure if I'm sold on Austin Voth yet, although the sample size is big enough that I probably should be. But is he a guy who is a fifth starter type? Or what, what do you see Voth's role being going into next year? Assuming that everyone's healthy. He's, he's got a chance. You know, he, he's maybe they decide, hey, Wells is a bullpen guy, and I think both has a chance if, that, if that's the case. You also don't know if somebody like Bradish is going to be traded, right? Um, you, you don't really know what's going to happen. But I think right now, if you if this is the, the, the staff that you have going into spring training next year, I think he's got a legitimate chance. I don't think there's any restrictions on him. His spin rate on his curveball and his fastball are elite. He developed that little, what, what was it, uh, slider cutter? pitch yeah. that was really good I think he's a really good pitcher uh, and he's somebody that you're gonna have that you that you want to have on your on your staff he can spot start he can be a swing man he can give you length if a, if a starter gets knocked out or he can be a starting pitcher for you I, I think that this is a guy who is a really interesting piece moving forward something worth keeping an eye on uh, he I, I think he's got a shot at the rotation for next year which is <clears throat> really considering where he came from and how he was before he got here, really all that, all that you could ask for, for Austin both. Yeah, and no, I, I completely agree. Uh, definitely one of those waiver claims that goes almost unnoticed at the beginning. And even after he was pitching and pitching pretty well, it, it was around the same time that we were waiting on a DL Hall promotion. And I was kind of frustrated because we were waiting for DL Hall to be able to work deeper into games. Meanwhile, we were putting out Austin both every fifth day and he was going three, four, maybe five on a good day. Uh, so, but then, you know, he just, he kept producing and, and lowering that season ERA, like I said, 304 and 83 innings with the Orioles after 10 plus with the Nats. So that's, that's good to see. It surprises me, Paul, to see you say, to, to even bring up the possibility of Kyle Bradish being traded. Um, and it's not because I think it's unrealistic, but because you tweeted a few weeks ago after another one of his dominant outings that Kyle Bradish is the Orioles opening day starter in 2023. Do you yeah. still do you still feel that way? Do you think he should be still? That was that was with the caveat being that they don't do anything else, right? Okay. Um, the more I think about it, especially if they pick up the Lyles option, if they pick up the Lyles option, it just because he's a veteran, uh, it would probably be Lyles. Um, I think that Kyle Bradish is just as deserving. Um, but here's here's the nitty gritty of it: you have a bunch of starting rotation options. You're going to add. Um, some some starters, a starter or two, like a legitimate starter or two in the offseason, at least that's what we expect them to do. You're not going to be able to start all those guys. And if you can package a young, really good starting pitcher um, with a couple of outfielders and get somebody like a Pablo Lopez, uh, I think that that's something you have to explore. And I think people need to prepare, just like we've talked about, you need to be prepared for the fact that like Connor Norby and Jordan Westberg, Kobe Mayo, they might get traded this offseason. You yeah. also need to be prepared for the fact that D.L. Hall or Kyle Bradish or Tyler Wells 
might get traded. You might see multiple of those guys traded. Um, I'm not – nothing's off the table right now. I'd like to see Bradish get the opportunity to start a full season, start healthy, and be the pitcher that he was after he came off the IL. But I also think that there's a chance that he could be traded, and if it brings back somebody that's already established for multiple years, I don't think that you can look at that and you know flick your nose at it. Yeah, I agree. You know, you, you have to make those type of moves at some point. You, you can stockpile prospects all you want, but there's only 40 guys you can fit on the 40-man roster, obviously, and, and only 26 you can have at the big league level. So, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes you gotta you got to part with good prospects to get quality major leaguers back. So I, can, know, I, can't, it, I can't stress enough that, you know, people are going to – there's going to be people who are really upset this offseason. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because are going to trade some of their players that they were really excited to see come up to the, to the big league club. So uh, some of those guys are getting traded this offseason. So I, I really want people to prepare for, be prepared for it, so they're not blindsided and suddenly like, "What are they doing?" Because it's what good teams do to get better. Exactly, and you know, Norby wouldn't surprise me. Westberg wouldn't surprise me. Mayo, uh, Hudson, Haskin comes to mind as a as a trade candidate. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys who are you know high on those Orioles top thirty prospect lists who very well might not be in the system next year. But if the reason behind them no longer being in the system is because that you know, the front office has taken steps to significantly improve the major league team. You, you have to take that. You have to accept it. Now, uh, there's there's a lot more that we could get into today, Paul, but we're already close to an hour. Sure. Um, there's, you know, I want to talk about free agent targets. I wanted to do that with Eric, but uh, I want to talk about free agent targets, both positionally and specific players. I want to talk about the Orioles payroll going into next season and what that should look like. Uh, but it's a long off season. A lot of, uh, we, you know, we might have to shorten the show to once every couple of weeks instead of every week. We'll see what happens. But it is a long off season, so there's a lot we're going to get into as things progress and as we start to see the roster come together and the winter meetings and the hot stove and all that stuff. Rule five draft. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. One thing I know for certain is that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on the moves this off season. For the first time in a while, not that I don't normally pay attention because I do, but I'm very curious to see exactly which direction they take. And if they you know, go all in in free agency, if they try to swing a couple of trades, if they're more worried about improving bench depth, it, it's going to be exciting to see how things start to come together. But Paul, what are your, your final thoughts as we, we head into the offseason? I know we kind of talked at the beginning of the show about our, our, our feelings going into the offseason, but... Is there any? Do you have any words for the 2022 Orioles, or any words of encouragement for next year's team? Uh, just keep at it, you know. Keep keep grinding. It was it was a, it was a really exciting season, and I I I stressed myself all, my, my I stressed myself out, um, especially the last third of the season with, you know, hoping and praying that they were gonna that they were gonna do this, do that, and, and do the other to get and everything they need to do to get to the playoffs. But this was an exciting season, and nobody's saying that, that it wasn't. I think they left a little bit on the table, and I think they probably feel like they left a little bit on the table too. So, you know, keep grinding, get after it, get your bodies ready for a 162-game season because for a lot of these guys, it was the most games they've ever played. And get ready, and, let, and let's ramp up and get after it. I think that this team has a lot of talent. They've got a lot of talent coming, and – like like Michael Elias says, lift off from here, baby. It's uh, it's all blue skies. So uh, let's get after it this offseason, get your workouts in, and come back ready to make a playoff run and ready to play deep into October next year. Yeah, man, let's keep having fun. It, it was a blast this year. I hope that continues. Uh, one, one thing I noticed yesterday, the Orioles have never won exactly – actually, it was, it was Matt Taylor who pointed this out, but the Orioles have never won exactly 84 games in a season. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the, the Browns as well. Wow. Um, the since moving to Baltimore in '54, the Orioles have had every have finished the season with every win total from '73 through '91, except for '84. And if you include the Browns, it's '61 through '91, but not '84. The Orioles had a chance with the second leg of the doubleheader yesterday to get that 84th win, finish the season on a high note. They were unable to do that. They went 83 and 79. But you know we've we've talked about it plenty exceeded expectations. It was a hell of a season. And hopefully the, that number the next few years is greater than 84. I, I, I would, I don't want to settle for, for trying to get 84 wins. I'm, I'm aiming for 90, 95, a hundred. 
Yeah, I think that you. I think that the, that the goal should be ninety plus and a definitive spot in the playoffs. Real quick, I know it's a baseball show, but you just you saying the Orioles never won eighty four games remind me of a Ravens thing that I realized last year. Um, so the Ravens have had a fourteen and two season, a thirteen and three season. I think they've had several twelve and four seasons. Did you know that they've been five and one? I think it's three different times, and they've never gotten to six and one. They've never been. Really? They've never been six and one in a season. Even that fourteen and two year, they started two and two. Yeah, they've never, they've never been six and one in a season. Wow, and they've, and they've had a, they've had several opportunities to, to get there, and they if they're five and one, they lose their seventh game every time. Wow, but maybe maybe they just always lose their seventh game because I remember a few years ago they were they were one and more than a few years ago, but they were one and six, and they lost the Monday night game to the Cardinals. Or they were one and five, lost the Monday night game to the Cardinals, fell to one and six. Maybe they just maybe the seventh game of the season is just bad luck. Who knows? I have to look they, back. They, at that. They, they won it in twenty nineteen because they they were two and two through four weeks. And That's right, and then they straight. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. Well, I, I also owe you a thank you as we as we sign off for the uh, for the season. Um, it's been fun doing this podcast with you. I appreciate you uh, coming on with me and being my co-host as we as we move forward with this because I you know didn't have the energy to do it by myself, but. You know, having someone to do it with makes it a lot easier, and uh, you're a good co-host. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, it's it's been fun. I love working with you. That's why you're my fill-in um, on on my like my, my top guy for for a fill-in for uh, for the bat around. And you know, you you do Ryan does all the notes for this show. He does it does the whole rundown for this show. And I, I know that for me, I do it for a two-hour show every week, and it takes such a load off of me that you do the notes for the show. Because I, it's so much work. So I, I like it, and people. I don't think people really appreciate how much work goes into even doing an hour long podcast. It's a lot, you know. So kudos to you for getting it done every week, for keeping us on a schedule, and um, for just being a great a great co host that I can talk baseball with, and you know, really feel like we're talking about the right thing. So appreciate you, man. Well, two things on that. Number one, I spent an embarrassing amount of time the other day because I, I need we need an intro, right? I had my I had a friend record an intro for me when I was doing this by myself, and it was great, and I liked it. Um, and I could just have him send me a new clip that includes your name as well. Um, I spent an embarrassing amount of time the other day trying to find a clip on YouTube of Rex Barney saying, give that fan a contract that was loud enough and did not have a broadcaster talking over him. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched on double speed on YouTube at least four full games from the nineties. Um, I had, I found a couple clips and I was trying to figure out how to separate the audio. Cause one of them, John Miller was talking over it. The other one, the, whoever the color guy was kind of chimed in near the end. And so it wasn't as clean as I would have liked it to be. And then I thought maybe I, I try to find clips of Gary Thorne saying Ryan and Paul, something like that and jumble those together. I, I had all these ideas. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story is, I, I do put some time into this, but I, most importantly, I want it to be a good product. And so, you know, we'll, we'll have an intro soon. Hopefully I might keep trying to find, you know, a little clip of Rex Barney. Uh, I don't know what kind of copyright laws there are with using audio and video from Oriole stuff, but now that we're doing video, it'd be cool to have some nice video intro. If any of you listening uh, have experience in editing videos or anything like that and want to try to create us an intro, that'd be sick. Please reach out. Uh, we'll compensate you. Um, but uh, yeah, and then the second, there was one other thing. I can't remember what it was. Oh, putting the putting the notes together. It's it's a lot of fun. I love I love doing it. I love coming up with topics to talk about. The one thing that I wish I could get better at is I feel like I don't I don't want to feel like I'm interviewing you every episode. And I understand that that being the host of a show is kind of like that, but I, I need to get better at coming up with, instead of like writing out questions, just coming up with talking points so that we can just have a conversation where I'm not saying, you know, how do you feel about this certain thing? And, mm. you know, do you think this guy is going to be part of the rotation next year? So, and and we'll improve on that as, as we, we continue moving forward. But it's, you know, like I said, it's a lot of fun doing this, doing this with you. And uh, I hope we can continue to grow and get some more listeners in the off season. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We, we need it. We appreciate it. We're now streaming live, like I said at the beginning, on Facebook on the Utah Street Report page, which is Orioles 
streaming live on Twitter at Orioles Fan Probs. Maybe if we get enough of a following on our, our podcast account at Give That Fan a Pod, we'll start streaming on there. But trying to get as many many viewers and listeners as we can at this point and guys, streaming live on YouTube. As well. Guys, ladies, go subscribe. You may get a Bruce cameo. Uh, oh. you, may, you may get a Bruce cameo, you know, now that he's allowed on the couch and whatnot. So, you know, go subscribe and, and see my dog. He's the best. He's awesome. Yeah, if you want to see Bruce, make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. Uh, I did put together a link tree. So uh, instead of having to tweet out the individual links every week, it's just one site that has a link to everything, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, our T-shirts at birdlandsports.com. You can still get those. Dude, they're they're so soft. They're nice. They don't they don't shrink much, but just enough to be snug. Um, great shirts. I have four of them. Uh, I got my fire fire me up gun, which is I I'm, I say that so much. It's it's embarrassing. I say that all the time. Every time Gunner does something, fire me up gun. He's gonna be so good. He's gonna be so freaking good, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it it's exciting. For sure. All right. Well, that's that's about all I've got. Any any final thoughts? Nah, man. Let's let's get after it this all season and go try and win a championship next year. No, yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'll talk to Derek about you know if we want to do this still every week, every couple weeks through the off season. I definitely want to get some good guests. But thank you as always to Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the podcast, and we will see you guys next time. On Give guys. that fan a podcast.